0: Greetings and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Hatzamech. Welcome to our Yom Kippur services. Yom Kippur, as you know, is the day of atonement. It's the holiest day of the year. It's the day when we confess our sins, when we repent, when we thank God for His final, ultimate forgiveness, and atonement that we receive in Yeshua, the Messiah. Uh, He's our ultimate Yom Kippur guilt offering, our sin offering, uh, our scapegoat, to which the the ceremonies uh, in the Torah pointed. Uh, And so today, on this holiest day of the year, it's fitting for us to talk about holiness. Solomon's temple in Jerusalem was the holiest site on earth. The only place designated by God as his house of worship. It was Judaism's official site of prayer and sacrifices, including the all important Yom Kippur sacrifices uh, for national atonement. When it came time to dedicate the temple of the Lord, uh, he gave a supernatural sign of approval, setting fire to consume the sacrifices, and his glory filled the temple. Let me read this in in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1. When Solomon uh, finished uh, praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord. The kavod Adonai, it filled the temple. This was the house of the Lord. Every inch of it was sacred, set apart for the service of God. Every inch of it was holy. Uh, It was at this site The Kohanim, the priests, offered the sacrifices, including the Yom Kippur sacrifices, the sin and guilt offerings of Yom Kippur. But this house would soon be defiled. Within a few years, Solomon himself, who built the temple, he was worshiping idols. Uh, And many years later, look at what Josiah, uh, the last good king of Judah, uh, had to do in order to cleanse the temple. Uh, 2 Kings 23, beginning in verse 4. King Josiah ordered Hilkiah, the high priest, to remove from the temple all the articles made for Baal and Asherah, and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside of Yerushalayim. He did away with the pagan priests who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to all the starry hosts. He tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes and the Asherah poles. How the holy temple had been desecrated. The despicable filth now had to be purged. Second Kings twenty three fourteen. Josiah smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles and, and covered the sites with human bones. Look at what had happened. Male prostitutes in the temple of God, women weaving for Asherah, uh, articles made for Baal. What an abomination. What a shocking outrage. But there's something even more shocking and outrageous than the temple in Jerusalem being polluted on the overhead. The scriptures say that if we're in Messiah Yeshua and we're filled with his spirit, that we are now God's temple. We are now the house where the spirit of the Lord dwells. Yet we allow ourselves to be polluted and defiled. How many of you husbands are unkind and unloving to your wives? How many of your wives, you wives, uh, disrespect your husbands? How many of you young people rebel against your parents? Do you look down on others? Do you harbor resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness? How many of you young men view pornography? How many of you young women gossip against your neighbor on the overhead? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, yet we allow unclean thoughts to dominate our minds. We allow sinful acts to contaminate our bodies. We allow impure words to pass and proceed from our lips. We allow evil deeds to proceed from our hands. How can this be? We are God's holy temple where his spirit dwells. But we are grieving and defiling the spirit within us. First 1 First Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That the spirit of God lives in you? If you are a Yeshua follower, Messiah dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 15. Don't you know your bodies are members of Messiah himself? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, Who, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God in your bodies. Your body, meaning you yourself, is a member of Messiah himself, a, a temple of the Holy Spirit purchased at the high price of the blood of the Son of God do we take this lightly? Dare we pollute our bodies with sin? Dare we join Yeshua to something unclean and, and defiling? First Corinthians 6.15, don't you know your bodies are members of Messiah himself? Shall I then take the members of Messiah and unite them to a prostitute? Never. God's temple must not be defiled. Members of Messiah's body must not be merged with the corruption of the world. Just think of how violently Yeshua purged the temple in Jerusalem when he was here on earth. Look at John uh, 2, beginning in verse 14. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle and sheep and doves, and other, uh, others sitting at tables uh, exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords, and he drove them all from the temple area, uh, both the sheep and the cattle. And he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He said, get this out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Yet this was just an earthly man-made temple, uh, which cost God nothing to inhabit. Dwelling within us cost God the death of his own son. How jealous you think the Lord is over his temple today. The Lord knows how many times you fall short. You know, for every sin we see, He sees hundreds that we don't even acknowledge. And yet He calls us today to holiness. He commands us to be holy. His focus is on your devotion, uh, your consecration, uh, your exposing and expelling every known area of sin, uh, every known area of pollution in your life on the overhead. He's, he's calling us today. He's calling you today to present your body as a living sacrifice to him, holy and acceptable. To purify yourself from everything that contaminates body, soul, and spirit, perfecting holiness. To avoid all sexual immorality, learning to to control your bodies in a way that's holy and honorable. To die to sin and live for righteousness, to be blameless through and through. Body, soul, and spirit into the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. The Lord is calling you to a life of holiness today on this Yom Kippur, this holiest day of the year. He is calling you, and, and this calling is only getting stronger and stronger as his return grows closer and closer. Second Peter three verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. With a roar, they'll disappear. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. and speed, it's coming. How then do you deal with sin uh, in your bodies? The holy temple of the Lord. You are to present yourself to him every day of your life, completely and without reserve, offering yourself to Yeshua, holding nothing back from him. You confess your sins, you repent, you turn from them, and you turn to the Lord. You receive cleansing from all impurity through the blood of Yeshua. 1 John 19119 i I'm sorry, 1 John one nine one nineteen. I'm sorry. First John one nine. Uh, if, if, you, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then you purpose in your heart to keep all pollution and impurity far from you. So, for example, you pray something like this uh, on the overhead. Lord, my mind is yours. May I not think any thoughts that are, that are displeasing in your sight, but only that which glorifies you. Lord, my eyes are yours. May they not look at anything forbidden or unclean. My ears are yours. May they listen. May they not listen to gossip or anything unseemly. My mouth is yours. May I not speak anything unwholesome or injurious, but only that which is good and holy and kind and uplifting. Lord, my hands are yours. May I only touch that which is acceptable and right and profitable. My heart is yours. May I never get caught up in this world, but rather only in you. Lord, my feet are yours. May you only go to places that you send me. Every part of my body, Lord, is yours. May I not use it for sinful gratification, but only for holiness. Oh, how beautiful it is to be fully devoted to the Lord. How wonderful and pure and wholesome and healthy. Uh, to be his body, soul, and spirit. This is abundant life, Uh, but to play with sin is death. Romans 6, beginning in verse 2, we died to sin. We were therefore buried with Messiah through immersion into death in order that just as Messiah was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with and we should no longer be slaves to sin. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God and Messiah Yeshua. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin, or to instruments as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as the one who's, as one who's been bought and brought from death into life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you've been set free from sin. And you've now become slaves of righteousness. Just as you used to offer parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, uh, leading to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. So consider, through Yeshua, you've been made a temple of the Most High God, and He lives in you by His Spirit. Be holy, He says. Keep your temple clean. Keep all pollutants out on the overhead. And remember, you're not alone. The Spirit empowers you. The blood of Yeshua washes you. The Word of God guides you. The the grace of the Lord enables you. The Father helps you and he keeps you. You can be holy. You can lead a godly life. Do not lose your love for the Lord. Do not lose your hatred of sin. When King David sinned, look look at how he prayed. Look at Psalm 51, beginning in verse 1. Have mercy on me, Lord. Blot out all my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Save me from blood guilt, O God. King David left no stone unturned. He wanted everything unclean uh, to go. I encourage you likewise on this Yom Kippur to cry out to God. Lord Yeshua, wash me. Scrub me, (laughs) cleanse me, prune me, purge me, refine me, purify me, make me white as snow, cover me with your atoning blood, obliterate all sin from my life. There's nothing like being clean before the Lord. What health is to the heart, holiness is to the soul. Maybe today on this Yom Kippur, you need to make a comprehensive confession to the Lord. If you sinned against others, then today is the day you need to go to them uh, and confess uh, and repent and ask for forgiveness. And make restitution if necessary. This is the day to do so. To make things right with God and right with your neighbor. Get alone with the Lord this afternoon. Put the past behind you once and for all. Through the blood of Messiah, our Yom Kippur final atonement, break off all sin patterns in your life. Charles Finney, he, he would make a list of every sin that he, could, that he could remember doing, and then he would renounce each one, one by one by one, before the Lord. Cry out to Yeshua in the same way. And never again, Lord, I am your holy vessel, uh, cleansed with the blood of Messiah, set apart for your service alone. Your grace empowers me to no longer defile myself or sin against you in any way. But the Spirit of Messiah living in you, you can make a permanent, lifelong break today with whatever sin is entangling you or, or enslaving you. You can live in victory over over fleshly lusts and desires. You can walk worthily in the way the Lord calls you to walk, in holiness and purity and righteousness and humility and love. Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. In the overhead, as Charles Spurgeon put it, our lives might, must, must be such that people may peep into our doors and see nothing for which to blame us. <laughs> We're called to live not for ourselves and our ego and our pride, but to lay down our lives for Yeshua and to live for him. And our love for the Lord should be our greatest motivation, uh, our greatest incentive to do so. Look at First John two twenty eight. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. That is the goal to strive for, to purify yourself just as he, Yeshua, is pure. So fill your minds with this, as Philippians 4, verse 8 says, with whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things and renew your mind in the Lord. That's why you're to fill your heart, as Colossians 3.16 says, with psalms and hymns and singing in the spirit, with thanksgiving to God. That's why Romans 13.14 says you're to clothe yourself with the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And don't think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature you are God's holy temple. You are the earthly tabernacle that he inhabits. You are Yeshua's representative here on earth. So how else could you live? God is calling you to holiness on this Yom Kippur. Because he is holy. And if you're a Messiah, his spirit indwells you. And on the overhead. You cannot coexist with him without holiness. You cannot fulfill the purpose for which you were created uh, without holiness. You cannot be a vessel used in his service without holiness. You cannot be, live a blessed life without holiness. On the overhead, to be holy is to be like Yeshua, in thought, word, and deed, in character, attitude, and action, uh, in intellect, emotions, and will. Uh, in all that you are, in all that you do, that is your high calling. In Messiah Yeshua. The Lord is the only source and the final destiny of holiness. He is the radiant one, the perfect one, the faultless one, the majestic one, the glorious one, the compassionate one, the gracious one, the just one. He is the one who call He is the one who calls you to be holy. Because He is holy. Do not be deceived or misled. Sin in your life will take away from you your future heavenly rewards. Sin in this life will take away from you your effectiveness here on this earth. Sin in your life displeases the Lord. It grieves the spirit. It delights the devil. Sin in your life hurts others and hurts you most of all. But holiness brings nothing but good, both in this world and the life to come. So, my brothers and sisters, on this Yom Kippur, I urge you to earnestly pursue holiness. The scriptures say, Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, one of the greatest hindrances to holiness is to lose your first love for the Lord. How you love Yeshua with this newness and this freshness and this excitement and zeal when you first became a born again believer. Uh, and gave your heart to him. But over the years, that springtime love uh, and passion and excitement and zeal begins to fade. And Yeshua sure warns us against losing our first love for him. Nothing is more important than your relationship with God. Nothing. Yet sin in his very essence is an assault upon that relationship. That's why I'm the Shon people, I am exhorting you to uproot all sin from your life. Sin's hold on you must be broken. You must hate and reject and renounce the sin in your life. Sin is crouching at the door to devour you, but you must master it. Sin's goal is to steal the one thing you cannot live without, intimate communion with the Lord. Sin's goal is to separate you from your Savior. Do not let it succeed. You must crucify the flesh. flesh. You must resist the devil. You must cleave and cling to the Lord. You can lose your friends and still be blessed. You can lose your money and still be rich. But if you lose your fellowship with Yeshua, if you forfeit your communion with him, all the friends and possessions and physical health and success in this world won't buy you a moment's true joy or satisfaction. You will wither on the vine. You will no longer be drinking from the fountain of life. And one day, when the winds of temptation blow, they will expose a house without a foundation or a tree without roots. And that house will fall. And the tree will topple. And great will be its fall. So on the shoki Pur, I am calling you to return to your first love in a word to pursue intimacy with Yeshua. In fact, all your ministry and all your spiritual activity and your gifts and your talents, without intimacy with the Lord, it's just so much empty performance and show and religiosity and human works if it doesn't flow from your heart to the Lord and your love for Messiah. Indeed, everything you do, you're praying, you're studying, you're soul winning, you're worshiping, you're teaching, you're preaching, uh, you're parenting, you're serving, you're giving, it all must flow out of your love for Yeshua. He is the source, the motivation, the foundation. Consider Yeshua's rebuke to the congregation at Ephesus. uh, This congregation that excelled uh, and worked hard and hated false doctrine. Uh, and persevered. Look what he says in Revelation 2 verse 4. Yet, Yeshua says, I hold this against you. You've left your first love. Remember the, the, the heights from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Notice hard work wasn't enough. Sacrifice wasn't enough. Doctrinal purity wasn't enough. The congregation had left its first love and the Lord rebukes them. You see how important it is in the eyes of God that you maintain your first love for Yeshua, the love you had when you first gave your heart to him? Just think, it's possible for you to backslide uh, uh, from intimacy and, and from devotion to Yeshua even when you're still working hard and ministering and staying doctrinally and morally pure. This was the problem with the Pharisees. Their hearts were far from the Lord, despite their orthodoxy and their outward morality. The Lord here speaks of your first love as a height, uh, a glorious, wonderful height from which you can fall. And he's calling you today on this Yom Kippur to repent and to return to that height Uh, on the overhead. Notice that the text from from Revelation speaks of forsaking. Not losing your first love, but forsaking it. This means you can leave that place of spiritual passion by the choices you make and the lifestyle you adopt. Your first love is not something you just accidentally misplace. If this is you, the Lord is calling you to repent of this sin of forsaking your first love. Meaning that you, you can be restored the place of spiritual passion by the choices you make and by the lifestyle you adopt. What then are some of these choices and this lifestyle? What must you do to be restored, to, to make this return, to regain your first love? Yeshua gives us the answer. Look at Revelation 2, verse 5. Repent and do the things you did at first. There are things you can do to restore your intimacy with the Lord. Read a, have you ever read a Biblically-based uh, book uh, on rekindling uh, the spark of love in a, in a failing marriage? For example, a book written to men might, uh, they might, might uh, remind them about, about the early days of his relationship with his fiancée, who then became his wife. Back then, he'd call her, he'd text her every day, send flowers periodically, take her on a special date on Saturday nights be sensitive to her, even her every out unspoken uh, need and, des- and desire, always putting her first, leaving her little notes, uh, letting her know how special she was. But that was a long time ago. Four children, two apartments, one house, three moves, four jobs, 20 pounds ago. <laughs> what then must a the husband do? He needs to do the things he did at First. He must reignite the romance and renew and deepen the relationship. He needs to set aside time with his wife, making her happiness his priority. He must let her know how important she is. In a word, he needs to love her again as his bride. And that's exactly what we must do when your love for Yeshua has grown cold You must renew your relationship with him. You must set aside blocks of quality time to meet with him, pouring out your heart to him in prayer, sharing with him your innermost thoughts and burdens. Lift your voice to him in worship and adoration, singing spiritual songs and psalms and hymns and phrases to him. Express your love for Yeshua with thanksgiving and praise. Saturate your mind and your heart with his word, uh, meditating on his truth, learning of him, growing in knowledge and grace. Think back uh, with awe uh, and wonder to those early days when you first became a believer and seek to recapture that design uh, sense of newness. James 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Actively share your faith with those who don't know the Lord. Young people here today, Do you know how to share your faith? Do you know what the gospel is? Do you have a salvation testimony of how you were saved? What would you say to a non-believing friend if you wanted to share your faith with them? Do you know how to lead someone to the Lord? Have you ever done so? These are great ways to grow in your faith, to fulfill the great commission, to return to your first love. And over time, as you do these things not with a time clock mentality, not with a spiritual, a spiritual performance or religious habit, not to earn some brownie points or to merit God's favor, but rather because you love him and you long for him, and you want to deepen your fellowship with him, his spirit will begin to flood your soul and and, 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 and fire your heart. It will again become the most precious thing to you in your life. Yeshua will become the reason for all that you do and the center of your attention, the highest object of your affection. And then all your good works, you're serving Him, you're sharing your faith, you're giving sacrificially, you're volunteering at Shul. These will become expressions of your love for Him, the overflow of your heart, madly in love with Yeshua. And one more thing is essential to recapture your your, your first love for the Lord, and it's this. You regain your fear of the Lord. We, uh, we have so lost this today in the body of Messiah. We need a healthy fear of sinning against him. Fear of disappointing him. Fear of grieving him. Fear of losing fellowship with him. Yeshua constantly walked in the fear of the Lord. Indeed, the fear of the Lord is one of the seven manifestations of the Spirit of God that rested upon Messiah. Look at Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot will come from the stump of Yishai, of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. This is Messiah, son of Jesse, son of David. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Do you hear that? Messiah will delight in the fear of the Lord. That is also what you and I need to delight in. The fear of the Lord, it will keep you from sin. The fear of the Lord will keep you in fellowship with God. So, how do you know if you're walking in the fear of the Lord? On the overhead, here are five tests. Number one, do you obey God instantly? Number two, do you obey him even when to you it doesn't make sense? Number three, do you obey him even if it hurts? Number four, do you obey him even if you don't see the benefit? Number five, do you obey the Lord to completion? So the proof of your fear of the Lord comes down to these steps and aspects of obedience. Here's an example. Avraham. When the Lord called Abraham to sacrifice his son, Yitzchak, this is what we read in Genesis 2, 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, the one whom you love, Yitzchak, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a Olah as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. God had Abraham go on this three-day journey to, to uh, Moriah to offer up his son, the son of promise, the one Abraham had waited his whole life for, the one who would be the father of the Jewish people. Uh, and, and now we read. Now, of course, we've read the end of the story. You know, we know what, what happened, but Abraham didn't. He didn't know the end of the story yet. God gives Abraham this three-day journey. Why? Well, death and resurrection happened on the third day. Also, it's a lot easier to obey when you've heard the audible voice of God booming in your ears than uh, on the very very day before. What about three days later? You haven't heard a peep out of heaven. Uh, And you're looking up at this mountain where you're going to put the death, the most important person in your entire life. So Abraham, he ascends the mountain. Can you imagine his emotions? Isaac, he's carrying the wood. He's carrying his own cross. Uh, he asks his father, Abraham, where's the lamb? Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb. The Hebrew could also read, God will provide himself the lamb as the lamb. Abraham is building the altar. And he's hoping for some kind of reprieve. Uh, he binds it to, to the mitzbeach, to the altar. He raises the knife, ready to plunge it into his son. At the last moment, uh, the angel of the Lord, the Malachonoi, appears. Genesis 22, verse 11. The angel of the Lord... Calls out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. Uh, don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. On the overhead, how did the angel of the Lord know that Abraham feared him? Because he passed all five of these tests. Number one, he obeyed God instantly. Number two, Abraham obeyed God even when it made no sense to him. Number three, he obeyed even when it hurt. Number four, Abraham obeyed God when he saw no benefit in it. Number five, because he obeyed God to completion. He was ready to plunge that knife. All of these are what it means to do the things you did at first. This is what it means to return from the heights from which you've fallen, to repent and to return to your first love. God eagerly awaits your move back to him on this Yom Kippur. He remembers your relationship used to be with him, what it used to be like. And he cries out this in Jeremiah 2 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Yerushalayim, I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride. You loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. The Lord says to us today, on this day of atonement today, which he said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 3.22, Turn back, O oh backsliding children. I'll Heal your backsliding. The Lord will receive you if you turn back to him with all your heart. Does anything today hold you back? Does anything stop you from renewing your relationship with the Lord? James 4, verse 8, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. When you take a step towards God, he takes a step towards you. And his steps are a lot larger than yours. (laughs) Holiness is a characteristic of the man or woman after God's own heart. We were made for him. And in him we thrive. This is what will keep you from sin. If the Lord is near to you and you're conscious of it, sin will be far from you. This is the key to your growth in grace and knowledge and obedience and service. Everything flows out of serving him. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life. That that they may know you, the only true God, and Yeshua, the Messiah, whom you've sent. Reminded of that old uh, Keith Green song. You love the world and you're avoiding me. What is left for you in this life? or in the life to come, if you leave the one you first loved. Indeed, we're warned about this in Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejects the law of Moses dies without mercy and the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, who's treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, who's insulted the Spirit of grace? The opposite of this is to return to your first love and to have Messiah himself. For him to be your all in all. Yes, your portion. For his face to be your light. Uh, and on the overhead, as said by Robert Murray McShane, Messiah himself will be the greatest reward of his people. Any place would be heaven if Messiah was there. No place would be heaven without him. Or to talk with Yeshua as Moses and Elijah did on the Mount of Transfiguration. To hear, hear him speak gracious words to you, to lean your head on his breast like John did, to hold him and not let go. To behold his countenance as pure love, to have him turn his eyes of divine tenderness to you. That is the greatest reward. That is all the reward you need. Etskhayim, live for this in this glorious for this glorious day. Live to see him greet you with these words. Well done, my faithful servant. There is no higher joy. There is no greater satisfaction. All pain and suffering and doubt and disappointment and hardship will instantly end when you see his face. Keep this hope before you. It will purify you. Yeshua himself, not his reward or his blessing or his anointing or his gifts, but Yeshua himself must be your goal. On this Yom Kippur, rekindle your intimate relationship with him. Anything good you do on this earth is only as it relates to him. So So today run to Yeshua in prayer. Recommit your life to him in holiness on the overhead. You can only be holy to the extent you know the Holy One. Becoming like Messiah is the essence of holiness. And becoming like him requires that you daily uh, are with him uh, and behold him. This is the key to returning to your first love, not outward forms of religion. At the overhead, Charles Finney writes this. Your heart can be backslidden even when the forms of religion and obedience to God are maintained. You may keep up all the outward forms and appearances of religion when, in fact, you are backslidden in heart. Backsliding. It can take many forms, but its origin is always the same. You, your love has grown cold. Here are some symptoms of a backslidden heart uh, on the overhead. Ask yourself these questions. Number one, has my personal devotion to Yeshua decreased? Has your intimate, private times with the Lord waned, especially for personal, extemporaneous, spontaneous prayer and worship? Not out of a book, but spontaneous, crying out, pouring out your heart to God. Has your once ravenous hunger for his word uh, slacked? Remember when you were hot, when everything, when Yeshua, Yeshua was everything to you. You couldn't wait to spend time with him, uh, pray to him day and night. Yeshua was pure joy for you. You lived, Philippians 3, verse 8. I consider everything a loss to the compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Yeshua the Messiah, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish. That I may gain Messiah. On the overhead. Because now now something has changed. You spend spend time with the one you love. You share your heart with the one you love. You're jealous for the one you love. You think about the one you love. Do you love Yeshua today the same way you once loved him before? Number two on the overhead. As my personal satisfaction in God decreased? Do you feel the need for other things other than God to gain fulfillment? Mark 4.19. The desires for other things will come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. 1 John 2.15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So ask yourself, what do I desire? What brings me satisfaction? Is it the love of God or the love of the world? On the overhead, number three, has my passion for spiritual work uh, decreased? Is your burden for the lost decreased? How often do you witness uh, to other people and share your testimony? Do you find yourself spiritually numb? Are you hungry for revival, for a real move of God? Number four, have my standards of holiness uh, become lower? Are you no longer convicted when you watch an R-rated sexual scene on TV or in a movie, the absence of divine conviction does not mean the absence of divine displeasure. It may seem, maybe it's just that your heart is hardened. The fact it no longer bothers you, in fact, may be the loudest warning you will hear. Number five, am I backsliding in spiritual authority and personal victory? Are you experiencing a lack of victory over the flesh, Falling back into old habits and lusts, unable to resist the devil and fleshly temptations. Are you moving from victory to victory? Or are you more and more entangled in sin? 2 Peter 2.19. A man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So on the overhead, ask yourself: Is Yeshua my master or am I mastered by sin? Am I an overcomer or am I overcome? Is Yeshua my Lord? Or am I ruled by my belly or my sexual lusts, my temptations, my greed, uh, but my bitterness? Who or what governs me? In what direction are you heading this Yom Kippur? Where is your present course of life taking you? If you were to continue on the same course, the same trajectory, the rest of your life, on the same path, the same pattern, would you wind up in heaven or in hell? Today, if you hear Messiah's voice, do not harden your heart. Fall upon Yeshua's mercy and his grace and repent and return to your first love. Respond fully to the Lord today. Pour out your heart to him. Pray. Plead the blood of Messiah. Allow his spirit to move you today. The Lord can and will fully restore you. Obey his word, obey his voice. Set a new pattern in your life, beginning now. Keep your conscience clear. Be quick to repent. Be quick to forgive others. Quick to ask for forgiveness. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's time to rekindle the flame. Amen. Hatsameha. Let's stand and pray. I need the music team to please come up. Oh, Abinam Malkano, our Father, our King. On this holiest of holy days, we confess our sins, which are many. And we turn from them, black as they are. We turn back, we turn from them, Lord, and we turn back to you. And we plead for forgiveness, not through our merit, for we have none, but only through the the blood of the Lamb. Yeshua, your son, our Yom Kippur scapegoat and atonement. Yeshua, you are the fulfillment of Yom Kippur. Without your work on the tree, there is no forgiveness of sin. So, Lord Yeshua, forgive our backsliding. Forgive our all-too-casual attitude towards you. Forgive our indulging in the ways of the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life. Help us to go today, yes, today, Lord, to anyone who's, who, who, who we have wronged or anyone that we have something against or has something against us. And help us, Lord, to humble ourselves and repent and ask for forgiveness, and to grant forgiveness, and to make it right. Lord, we confess we have lost our first love for you. We now return to you wholeheartedly with the same passion and devotion and commitment that we had in the springtime of our faith walk with you, Lord. Change our hearts, soften our hearts, that our motivation and our longing and our hearts to desire and zeal be for you, Yeshua, and you alone. And help us to walk in Yerat HaShemayim in the fear of the Lord, which we have lost today in our secular society. Give us a healthy, godly fear of disappointing you, of sinning against you, of taking you for granted, of grieving you, of trampling your blood. Yeshua, we love you, we thank you, we plead your blood over us, Lord, to cleanse and purify and atone for our sin today. In your name we pray. Amen. 빨리